Liebe. Das Buch der Poesie. Die Bibel. Doch rein tut sie sich nie. Tonight I want to preach about the topic is the stories of the Bible. And I want to start with a story. It's an amazing story. There's a guy, his name is Kurt Geiler from Germany. He was in the war, he's the man on the left-hand side. And he was a believer. And every night he took the Bible and used the Bible as a pillow. And he slept on the Bible, very comfortable. And this saved his life. Because one day a bomb attacked them and all of his friends died immediately. He was under shock and the next morning when he wake up, he figure out, I am the only one is still alive. Why is that so? And he took his Bible and this is the picture of the Bible. In the Bible, there was a piece of the bomb who protected him of killing him immediately. And the Bible saved his life. And I love this story because reading the Bible survives our lives all the time. It's like a protection thing in our lives. There are different uh, types of Bible, <clears throat> Bible um, verse in the Bible. There are like some stories in the Bible. Two-thirds of the Bibles are written in a story. Two-thirds. And also poetry. Poetry, if you uh, heard about the, the 50, the Shades and the Grays, the movie, this is much better poetry in the Bible. I tell you, when I read this, I cannot stop reading anymore. You are so beautiful. Your teeth so white as a sheep. And I don't want to go on anymore. But poetry, we want to preach next Sunday about it. Prophetic uh, scriptures in the Bible. And also letters. Paul writes some letters to some churches. And all the four categories in the Bible, when we read these kinds of texts, we have to understand every text is a little bit different to read. And I want to preach the next four Sunday. How can we read stories in the Bible? Some weeks ago, uh, at the moment, all our ISAF locations, there are new offices, there are brand new locations. And uh, I, I have to go there to dedicate the building and the offices and everything. And I have to be positive and happy and, and, and because I'm the leader. But sometimes in, in myself, I say to God, God, what's about us as a church, ISIS Zurich? Now we're moving to the cinema, then we're moving maybe back here, and then in one year we're moving to the new building. But we're moving from building to building, from building to building to building to building to building. And after 19 years of moving and moving, I'm a little tired of moving all the time because we're not a gypsy church, we are a church. And sometimes, I have to be honest, sometimes jealousy hits on my heart just a little bit. And that's, you know, that's not a good thing, right? There's one story since 19 years where God speaks to me all the time. When jealousy hits on my heart or I start to compare myself what other people have or what I don't have, there's one story that speaks to me all the time. The story is one day Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, I have very, very good news for you. I said, Jesus, what's the good news? And Jesus said, Peter, you will die for me. This is your future. And Peter said, but Jesus, that's, that's actually not so, such a good news. And in that moment, 
when Peter starts to think, he sees John. And the Bible says John is a very loved friend from Jesus. And next to John is Jesus. And they have so much fun. They're telling stories about life, about food, about the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, Peter asks just one normal Swiss question. In John chapter 21, 21 to 22. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if you want him to remain alive until a return, what is that to you? With other words, Peter, that's none of your business. Follow just me. All the, all the time when I, when I see a new building and a, a jealousy hits in, it's always God is reminding me, it's not, not, you know, not your business. Just follow me. My story with your church, my story with your ministry, my church with your family is just your church and your, your story. I got it. But at that moment when Peter realized he saw another picture, Jesus was eating food with John. I tell you something. There's a lot of Bible stories in the Bible they can encourage you so much when you're in a situation where tough things happen into your life. Stories of the Bible get alive when you put yourself into those kinds of story. You allow your feelings, your emotions, everything, your doubts, because God can handle all the doubts. I want to go to, 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 to two points, sorry. I want to go to two points, how we can read stories in the Bible. Point number one is, let the story come alive. This is the story of the prodigal son. And just the beginning, the opener of this story, it's amazing. In Luke chapter 15, verse 12, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate. So he divided the property, property between them. If you read this with an American or a Swiss or a European glasses, this is very normal. The question is only when you give the share to which bank you donate the money to, UBS, CS or the Raiffeisen or German bank. This is very common in our time. If you want to build a house, you ask your father, Father, can you give me the money? Or if you want to buy a new car. This is very, very common for us. When we read those kinds of Bible verses, just, okay, that's, that's normal. Dear friend, it's not normal. Because we have to think a little bit in their ancient time. In the ancient time, everything was a little bit different. When you Google, for example, you take like the Bible lexicon, if you Google this kind of Bible verse, it's deeper than you can ever thought or imagine. The younger guy asks his father for money. It's the same wish like, Father, I wish you are dead right now. Father, I need the money, but you have to die. What was the reaction of the father? He divided the money. That see, see, shows us something about how big God is, how generous God is, how God can handle even our biggest mistakes in our life. The father gave the money, but the desire was, Father, I'm looking forward that you die immediately right now. This was the opener of the story. 
There comes a moment where the prodigal son is by the, by the pig. And by the pig, this is the lowest position. For a Jewish guy, that's the uncleanest place on planet Earth. He falls so deep. When he came home to his father, the father ran to his son. Even when you read things like running, it's for us nothing special. But in ancient time, running means I am burying myself in front of all the people. He was disgrading himself. With other words, no king, no father will ever run in public. He run towards his son with other words. You asked me that I die immediately, but I waited every day and looked for you and longing so for so long to embrace you, to hug you, to bring you into the family of God again. If you start to Google those kinds of Bible verse for a little bit in your prayer time in the early morning, you all of a sudden the story has a broader meaning than ever. Or another Bible story which I love, like so much is the Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, he was blind. And when you Google in the, in, in the Google and the Bible, blindness in this age was for a lot of people normal because everything was unclean and some people got an infection, they get blind. But for Bartimaeus it means I have no money. No future. Nobody is for me. And one day he hears that Jesus Christ comes into town. And Bartimaeus shouts, Jesus, son David, have mercy on me. When he shouted a little bit emotionally, the people said to him, Bartimaeus, who are you? If Jesus is really interested in you, he will stop by. Be quiet because Jesus can hear you. And if he's not showing up, that means you are not important. <laughs> have you ever experienced in your life, you have a dream? You have a desire? You have a vision? You tell this to somebody and they say to you, <laughs> Who are you? You are living in Switzerland. You are ordinary. I am ordinary. We are neutral. We are just ordinary. Like in America, it's different. Yes, you can do it. But in Europe, have you ever known that when the invention of the radio, when they invented the radio, all the people said the radio is so dangerous because of the radio waves, all the birds will fall down and they will be dead? Yes, they believed that. There was, this was proof and the radio waves will kill the birds. When they invited, invented the train, they said when a train goes faster than like 40 miles an hour, your whole body will explode. Yeah. And they stopped the invention of the train. Today, we're going like 300 kilometers boom, to Paris, the TGV. But many, many years ago, people said, Put yourself in the position of Bartimaeus. Have you some people that don't believe in you? Good friends, they make you, they're making you bigger. The enemy makes you smaller. A good environment of a church, of a small group, of ministry makes you bigger to seize the potential of Jesus Christ in you. Now comes my favorite picture of the Bartimaeus story because I told this story almost every night to my kids. And this is the moment. Bartimaeus said, 
Jesus, son David, have mercy on you. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I am so, I don't care, Jesus. I don't. This is Bartimaeus. Come on. When I told this story, Daddy, I don't like this picture. I'm afraid my kids always said it. But this is something in the picture. So many times we listen more what people saying about us instead of trusting Jesus. Have you come into a position in your life what people saying to you, how people reacting to you matters more than Jesus? A lot of people, and that's really a sad thing, when they're in the old house, like 70 years old, when you ask them if you can restart your life again, what would you have done different? They will say, I will be more brave, more bold. I will not listen so much to the voice of the other people. I have a dream, I had a vision, but I didn't live the vision because what other people thinking, saying, and reacting about it. If you put yourself in the story of Bartimaeus, get excited about the dreams of God, about the visions of God. Even when you're praying for sick people, 100 times, 100 times nothing happens. It doesn't matter what people thinking, what people saying, what people writing. You pray again because one day you will have a break to new ministry and you're so glad that you haven't given up. The point number two is put yourself into the text. The first thing was make the text alive, but now put yourself into the text. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Have you ever realized that the first miracles of Jesus, miracles of Jesus was turning water into wine? Why wine? Of course, some people said it was grape juice, I don't care, it was wine for me in the Bible. Why wine? Because no good story starts with eating salad. I just got this picture from a friend of mine. And why Jesus turned water into wine? Let's put ourselves in this kind of story. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciple had also been invited to the wedding. Stop! Why was Jesus invited? We have to understand that the Bible, the longest verse in the Bible, the longest story is about Joseph, is about 13 chapters or 13 pages. A guy wrote a novel about Joseph, 1,800 pages, like a novel speaks about the feeling, emotion, situations. And now comes my question. Why was Jesus invited? Why are you invited to the wedding? Why are your friends with you? And by the way, why is your mother at the wedding? And now comes the question, how many people were at the wedding? And the Bible says the wedding was seven days. How long was your wedding? Have a day? Oh my goodness. Seven day wedding. And now comes the question, 
What has Jesus thought? To whom we spoke, to women or only to women or also to men? Has Jesus told stories, jokes? Nothing is in the Bible, just he was at the wedding. With other words, we have to put ourselves into the text. What has Jesus felt? And now comes the question, what kind of a dress has the lady wear at the wedding? Was it white or was it red? What kind of an invasion card have they printed? Or was it just like Facebook invitation or a Twitter invitation? The Bible says nothing about the detail. That means we have to put ourselves with the emotions, the thoughts, in the story. After the wine has gone, was gone, Jesus' mother told to his son, her son, Jesus, they have no more wine. Mother, don't tell me what to do. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. The mother, the mother said to the servants, whatever, whatever he says, please do it. Oh, mom. Oh, stop. Let's make a pause. There is a wedding. They have not enough wine. That means some, somebody has calculated something wrong. Or have, have there come more people? Has Jesus invited friends and friends and friends and friends and friends? And why is Jesus' mother saying to Jesus what he has to do? Maybe for 30 years she knew in herself he is the son of God. And she thought, Jesus, this is the best moment to make a miracle, do a miracle that everybody sees it. Or maybe Jesus said, Mom, be quiet. I'm not a baby anymore. I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm growing up. You don't have to tell me in a public what I have to do. This was like a mom, son, teenager thing. And Jesus said, Mom, let me, let myself go. I'm not a teenager anymore. I don't know what Jesus thought about his mom. Maybe Jesus thought, my mom is, she's really old, really old, really old. Or Jesus maybe thought, I can do whatever I want to do. I don't know what Jesus really thought. In a novel, everything will be explained, how Jesus smells, how his hair was. The six-pack, everything. But the Bible says, the mother says, do whatever it asks you to do. That's it. No emotions, no doubts, just a word. We have to put ourselves into the story to get the story to be alive. Nearby stood six stone water jars. The kind used by the Jews for the ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Stop. When I read this story, I said to myself, ah, they were like chores, like this kind of a chores, the, the petty, tiny little chores from French, from Portugal, from America, chores. Can you show us the real chores, friend? Yeah. Oh, 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 this one is heavy. Oh, Pastor Leo, I'm coming. Oh, it's so heavy. Oh, 
Yes, you can do it. Wow! Yes, here it is. This is what the Bible is saying. Six jars of 120 liters. It's not a petty, small, tiny jars. 120 liters times six, it's almost 800 liters of wine. Wine. Now people say, oh, it was a big party. Yeah, maybe 100 people. 100 people through 800. Yeah, it's a lot. Jesus said, fill the jars with water. And, and so they filled them to the brim. To the brim. Ha. And then Jesus said, draw some out and, and take it to the master of the banquet. So they did. And, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, but uh, the servants knew. Oh, oh what a bouquet! Mm. But this is fantastic! Oh, what a great wine! French wine! Oh, Bordeaux! Oh, oh. And he called, he called the bridegroom, uh, the bridegroom, and he said to him, Listen, listen, everyone, everyone brings out the joyce wine first and then, then the cheaper wine. When, when all the guests have had already too much to drink. But you, you, you saved it. You saved the best wine till now. Ha, crazy. This, dear people, was the first miracle happened at Cana in Galilee. Thank you. Now, when you read this kind of a Bible text, and if you put yourself into the Bible text in this jar here right now, there comes the question, why has Jesus made the first miracle turn water into wine? Why not making a blind one to see or a lame to go? Why water into wine? This comes down to the question, what, 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 what is the meaning for me for, personal, for, my, for my personal life? And for me, an example means turning water into wine was not the biggest miracle which I really need. For me, it means that every little detail in my life, Jesus sees it, he recognizes it, and he never pass it by, he stops, and he will do a miracle even when it makes no sense for other people. What kind of a miracle do you need right now? It's maybe a small miracle, or a miracle which you say it's not so important for my family, but Jesus will stop and he will turn something in your life into a miracle. I want to close the message with three practical things when we, when we put ourselves into a Bible Bible story. The first thing is, easily we could um, the spiritulation trap, it's a tongue breaker, the spiritulation trap, that, com that comes the question, why was it six charge? 
Like the, the people, they love numbers because numbers has a meaning. Why six and not seven or eight? I want to tell you a very, very theological thing right now. I hope you, you get it. When Peter was fishing, he caught no fish. Jesus threw the net out and he fished 153 fishes. I want to read it down on the iPad. One, five, three fishes. This number has a theological deep, deep, deep meaning. Some people say, ah, we know we got the message of one, five, three fishes. They say like this, this is three times three times 10 plus seven. It's 153 fishes. Yeah, come on, woo! Do you get it? Yeah, this is, this is real deep theological preaching right now. Because the number three means so shall it be. When a number comes two times, it means so shall it be 100% for sure. Because when you're going to a court, you need at least two witnesses for the case. If there comes the number two times, it means so shall it be 100%. 10 means 10 miracles of the 10 plagues, the 10 leprosies, just miracles. The number 10 stands for miracles. Number 7 stands for according the word of God. This means together, so shall it be, Peter, 100% that in your life you will receive miracles according the word of God. <laughs> when somebody has a problem, you say, hey. One, five, three fish. So, what do you mean? Yeah, three times three and ten and seven. It's very helpful, right? <laughs> some people say, some theologians say, 153 fish, it means all nations. He caught all the nations, like prophetically, symbolically. But if you're reading really careful, there are more than 153 nations. Some people say, no, no, 153 means all the kinds of fishes they existing he took out of the sea it means all the fishes stands for every type of person on this planet earth but if you google there are more than one five three kinds of people on this planet earth this is what i want to tell you sometimes we take numbers out of the bible and i love numbers but sometimes we're going way beyond and we miss the point in the story i like these kind of things because i'm a very small guy I have an ego of 270, is what I believe. Um, but sometimes you can miss the point what the Bible is telling. A second trap could be like the imitation trap. This could be like, yeah, imitation trap. It could be like um, you read the story and you think, ah, I will, I will experience the same thing in my life. Like when Jesus was walking on water, I was by the Lake of Galilee, it's so dirty, you have to walk. You cannot swim. That's just a joke. Um, but when Jesus was, was walking on the Lake of Galilee, there was some people in our church. They were in the youth ministry. And they believed when Jesus can walk on water, if we have enough faith and we fast and pray and we believe and we proclaim, we can do the same thing because Jesus lives in us, right? He is not somewhere. The kingdom of God is in us. Jesus in us it means Jesus in us. I will never forget they went to a lake nearby Zurich, and he took the first step in the water, and he sink. 
And they were shocked. Why can we not walk like Jesus? And sometimes there's a danger. We read the story and think the same thing can happen to us. Stories can encourage us a lot. Like, 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 um, like um, Job. Job in the Bible, he lost everything. He got sick, he lost everything. And in the end of the story, God gave him twice as much as before. And there's a lot of people, they're reading the story and say, the devil has stolen my wife, my children, my health and everything. And I believe the same thing can happen to me. It can, but sometimes you just, not just can take a story and say the same thing will God do in your life as well. This story can encourage you that God is with your life, not over. Because in the same time, you're reading the story of the 12 disciples. And all of them, they were killed. They were dead because they followed Jesus. There were no resurrection, nothing. Sometimes you can pick out a story to encouraging yourself. But never think that the same thing can happen to me as well. Because the Bible tells story. Just stories say it's not good, not bad. It's just a story to encouraging us in our journey with Jesus Christ. And the last trap, what I want to preach is about the self-love trap. There are those kinds of people in every story. You ask the question, where I am in this story? Where I am in this story? The Bible is not so much about your story. The Bible is about God's story. When I read the Bible text, I seek about the principle, about God, about the characteristics, about God. I seek God. When I hear that Jesus turned water into wine, it's the question for me. How big is God? That even in a wedding, he not passes a small little detail because somebody ordered not enough wine. It was a, will be a very embarrassing moment for the wedding. But Jesus stops. And that's one of the characteristics of, about God. When we do miracles by choice or just happen sometimes in life, Jesus covers our mistakes. The devil puts the mistakes in a shiny light that everybody can see it. But Jesus covers it. He has forgiven us. He has cleansed us. And I love that the Bible is so profound and so strong and so deep. And my question tonight is, what kind of a miracle do you need? What kind of a miracle do you need? The story about turning water into wine. There's no small things in your life that Jesus didn't take care. He matters. He stops. And the first miracle starts. The small details in your life matters to Jesus. I want to pray with you I want to pray for those stay watching the online church. Maybe you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you are a backslidden Christian. Maybe you're here. You prayed so many times for a miracle. Nothing happened. And I believe we should not give up. We should believe. We should lean in into the word of God. Because the Bible are promises about God. How God is and what God will do. And God not, not coming too late. He comes on a proper time. I want to pray with you guys. And... In, in, the, in, in the middle of the prayer, I want to stop because I love doing that. And I want to give you the opportunity just to share your heart to Christ. Maybe you have a need. Maybe you're seeking a challenge in your life. Maybe you lost the passion for reading the Bible. Maybe you put your Bible on, on the side because you don't get it. I believe right now when you're praying together, this is a miracle time. 
because Jesus answers our prayers immediately. Let's bow our heads for a moment, even on the online church. And Jesus Christ, I want to thank you so much for the Bible, for your living word, for all the encouraging stories will lift up my faith in my journey with Jesus Christ. And I'm so pumped and so pleased about the first miracle, Jesus Christ, you have done in your life. No small detail, every small detail matters to you. And there's so many small details in my life. I need a miracle. I need a change. And I believe Jesus Christ. You have to speak only one word. And my soul is healed. My body is healed. And my spirit is renewed in the power of Jesus Christ. Now I want to ask you, what kind of a miracle do you need? In what kind of area of your life even in the small details in your life, where do you need a miracle? Can you pour out your heart right now to Jesus Christ? For some people in this room, that means you're saying, Jesus, here I am. I am backslidden. I'm far away from you. I want to return home. For some people, it means right now you say yes to Jesus. I want to be quiet for a moment. I want to give the Holy Spirit just enough room to work in you, to speak to you, to reveal some prophetic insights over your life.